There will be people that will not move into a community if they don't have access to broadband because everything now is connected to broadband. For a city to stay viable in a certain sense, this is something that we need to make sure is available. Welcome to another episode of the Community Broadband Bits Podcast. I'm Christopher Mitchell at the Institute for Local Self-Reliance in St. Paul, Minnesota. And today I'm returning to an area of the country we've talked about frequently, uh, an area of the country that's doing a lot of things right. Uh, We're going to be talking about the uh, areas served by Utopia, which is Salt Lake City and and areas nearby as well as areas uh, fairly far away from it at this point. Uh, We're talking with uh, Mayor Gailey, who is the mayor of Syracuse. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Maybe I can tell you a little bit of the history of of, uh, telecommunications here in Syracuse. Uh, the first telephone in Syracuse was installed in 1901, and it was installed in the old Walker store. And for those uh, Syracuse residents, it's it's uh, uh, midway between 2000 West and the Lake Shore, uh, down below the Bluff Road. And there were there was just one single phone, and uh, one of the Walker sons, uh, one of the Walker brothers, had two little girls and. A call would come into them, and then uh, they would traipse all through the community on horseback, giving messages to people to come down to the store and call this person back. So it was an answering <laughs> service of sorts on on a horse. And Syracuse has gone from horseback. I, I'm a, a member of the 1950s generation, and and Andy of Mayberry had an old phone where he had to have the assistance of an operator to make a call. Uh, that was a little before my time, but I remember party lines here in Syracuse where there are nine or ten different uh, uh, residents to, uh, connected to the same party line. And, and that's where I learned about the term of eavesdropping because my grandmother used to eavesdrop all the time and get upset. <laughs> it was the old days Facebook where you'd get upset at what somebody said behind your back. Uh, then I also remember when cell phones became an important part of life. Uh, that was in the 70s, and we've, we, we, we've kind of quit tracing where landlines were, and we've, over the years, kind of switched to not owning a landline. We don't. But the big change came with the World Wide Web, and that was in the 90s, and the Internet when it first came. And uh, we have uh, providers who are providing that Internet service for us, and we've been quite happy in the past with that. But Syracuse is moving on. Although we're a cattle town and we were a very simple town then, we began with messenger girls running messengers on horseback. We really like to have the high-speed ability of broadband, and that's why we've sought out Utopia. Wonderful. That's a, it's a quite an encapsulation. Um, and I think the only thing you we might add to that is that at every generation, parents were really furious about how their children are using the technology. So yes. <laughs> that's something that hasn't changed. Um, we also have with us uh, Brody Bavero, who is a city manager at Syracuse. Brody, uh, just give us a sense. So we, we know a little bit about the history, about how big is Syracuse and where is it situated? Yeah, so Syracuse City is in Davis County. We're about a half hour north of Salt Lake City. And a little bit to the west, we're on the shores of the Great Salt Lake. Our tagline is we're the gateway to Antelope Island, which is a state park, um, which is an island out in the middle of the the Salt Lake, the Great Salt Lake. Uh, We're about 30,000 people uh, and growing fast. We're amongst the fastest growing communities in the state. Excellent. And then rounding out our discussion, we have Scott Darrington, who's a city manager of Pleasant Grove. Welcome. Hey, it's good to be here. 
Uh, tell us about Pleasant Grove along uh, similar lines. Yeah, Pleasant Grove uh, is uh, just a community along the Wasatch Front is what we call it here in Utah, uh, which is kind of the metropolitan area. We are in between Provo and Salt Lake City, uh, probably about, I would say, 35 miles south of uh, Salt Lake, just along I-15. We're a community of about 40,000 people. Uh, we're getting pretty close to build out, so uh, we are seeing some growth right now, but eventually that's going to slow down for us. Uh, but we are a community that has a thriving uh, business sector and, um, you know, things like uh, broadband now are becoming a more important discussion for us. Well, and that's where I want to I want to start and ask you and let me ask you first, Scott, um, you my sense is both of your communities. Um, neither one of you is what we would think of as a broadband desert. Right. Um, it's not the case that people have no options for a majority of your citizens. Uh, but tell us a little bit about how broadband um, has been uh, expanded in your community. What's what's this level of service currently? Yeah, we have a couple of providers, main providers here in our city, and they don't what they don't provide is, you know, really broadband directly to the home with a dedicated line, similar to what a utopia can do. Uh, and so we do have uh, a decent service here. Uh, we have people that are happy, I think, with their current service. We do have some that uh, would like a little bit more. And, and that is what's happened to us. They, they want this service. They feel a little bit stuck. And so they turn to city government and say, hey, what can you do to help us? Because uh, I think COVID exacerbated this uh, because people were now working from home more than ever. And then they were realizing their their connection uh, needed to be a little bit more robust in order for them to be fully effective. So that's when we started getting emails, reach outs from our public to our elected officials and to myself saying, hey, what can the city do about this? And is that pretty similar in Syracuse, Mayor Gailey? Is that uh, what you hear when you're out about town? Yes, I think we're maybe a little different than Pleasant Grove in the fact that we are uh, we are about 50% from build-out. We've got a long way to go. The Scott has already marched down that path. And one of my main concerns uh, within the city of Syracuse, we recently had a what, what we would call a big box store, uh, not one of the national ones, but one here in the West, leave Syracuse because uh, of population and exposure along a, a, a frequented freeway. So they left Syracuse and we lost that tax base. So we have been trying to find ways through economic development to bring people to a destination. Now, we, we're we not Salt Lake City and neither are we Ogden. And we're not right along the I-15 route. We are another kind of city, which is further away from that. So to attract businesses to Syracuse, we've got to have it become a destination place where there is already bigger broadband in place. Uh, so that they can bring those national chains. Uh, uh, I don't want to mention any names, but some of those Internet distributing companies that are big named in the nation, we would like to attract one of them there because one of my big big jobs is to bring jobs to Syracuse, not so much uh, you know, retail, but jobs that then people do spend money. So that's how we're different. We are a little different. We are just now becoming an economic spot we're 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 nowhere near build out. We're only halfway there. And when you say nowhere near build out, does that mean there's significant areas where there's nothing available, or do you mean um, what's that re- in reference to? I'm talking about land. We've got oh, about fifty percent right. of our land occupied, and uh, 
we still we still have 50 percent this is an old farm community like i mentioned when the walker brothers store was around uh it's a farming community it has been but it's a transitioning farming farming community what what the the crop that the current farmers are harvesting is uh, the final crop is the development of their land for some commercial use and that that commercial use will require broadband Right. So that makes a lot more sense. My, I always think too narrowly. I'm always thinking that the whole universe is broadband, but uh, the build-out term refers to you have a lot of land that will ultimately be converted to residential, commercial, or industrial yes. uses. Yes. Yeah. yeah that's um, true. And so let me let me just ask you then, Brody, is there anything else that, that you'd add to that um, with regard to what you're hearing from folks? Yeah, just to, you know, the mayor touched the, the business side of the equation. There's also the residential side. What we were hearing uh, were, was primarily two things from from our citizens. One was that there are pockets of our city where there, there wasn't a real um, availability for high-speed internet. There was internet, but it wasn't high-speed still. Our residents and our community is, is fairly affluent. There are people who know how to use technology. There are people that um, use it for work, for their livelihoods, uh, or, and entertainment. Their kids use it for video games. And, and so... Um, you know, they, they, they wanted it, but some of the areas of our city didn't have it. And so, you know, they, they wanted something. Uh, and the incumbent providers, no disrespect to them, they have a business model that they have to follow. But uh, their business model didn't in, entail bringing high speed out this far to some of these neighborhoods. Um, and the other issue uh, with those who did have uh, the better Internet service was the selection. There was really one and, or maybe two providers available. And uh, they look around to some of the neighboring communities, uh, uh, largely through Utopia, where you can have, you know, nine, ten different Internet service providers. So the competition was a big thing. That that resonates with what we hear. Uh, a common story that I feel like that you hear in D.C. and many state capitals is that the broadband problem is one of areas that are unserved or dramatically underserved. And one of the things we've reported on and talked about, and I think something that Utopia deals well with, is this sense that even cities that have like media, um, uh, mediocre or average, mediocre seems like such a negative, but <laughs> you have a, you know, you have the same connectivity that almost all cities of your size and prestige have. And, and you feel that you need something better if you're going to set yourself apart is one of the things that I'm hearing is, is kind of like, you know, we don't want to just settle for being um, average. We, we really want to have, uh, you know, top of the line, be ready for the future, be, um, uh, be growing in that sort of a sense. That's what I'm hearing. If I can comment on that. Um, Go ahead, Scott. In, in my opinion, um, you know, this is going to, broadband is going to be utility just as much as water and sewer is going to be utility in the very near future. So whether that's provided by the private sector or whether it's provided by the public sector, there will be people that will not move into a community if they don't have access to broadband. And that's, I mean, that's just where we're headed because everything now is connected to broadband. And so uh, for a city to stay uh, viable in a certain sense, this is something that we need to make sure is available. Now, one of the things I'm curious about is whether um, as people are, are getting ready to move into Pleasant Grove, if they're going to be saying, not only do I want high quality broadband, which in their mind might be defined by a, a cable company, uh, but I want 
to be on a network where I have the highest speeds and a choice of providers. Uh, and because I mean, we see this in real estate in Minneapolis, where part of the city is served by a fiber optic network. Um, and it's not open access like Utopia, but um, uh, but uh, people only want to live in that area, especially people who have gotten used to that. And so I think we're going to see people saying, I only want to move into the Utopia neighborhoods in the next year or two, uh, as I'm going to guess it's going to take multiple years for you to build out to every last home. Well, in Pleasant Grove here, uh, I mean, Utopia has started building their network uh, as of a couple months ago. And the build out they're telling us is roughly about two years. And so within two years, uh, each resident that uh, wants to hook on will have an opportunity to hook on. And that will, you know, they're not forced to. We're not charging them a utility fee. Um, this is something that the, the, it will, uh, the service is there. But, you know, we did a survey we, before we even signed up with Utopia. We did a survey and we asked people, um, you know, what type of speeds do you currently have? What type of speeds are you looking for? And if this type of service were available, how many of you would, would leave your service and, and jump to this service? And it was a, like 80% were mm-hmm. saying, look, we need more speeds. We need something more reliable. And that gave us confidence to move forward on this project because, uh, our residents are saying yes. We will be willing to make this jump if if it beca- if this service becomes available. Now, Mayor Gailey, I'm curious if um, I'm not sure how long you've been uh, mayor, um, but uh, in the last election, was broadband a part of it? Uh, is this something that's come along more recently? What's what's the situation there? No, I I was elected four years ago, and uh, I'm in a tight race here in Syracuse now. Uh, uh, when I was when I was first running for mayor, uh, Utopia was available, but it wasn't an issue here in Syracuse. People were happy with what they had. But Brody did a survey, just like was done in, in Pleasant Grove of our residents, and we realized that we were underserving them. At, you know, uh, not that, that the city wasn't was going to uh, step in and make it a true uh, utility. But then we wanted to do something that would bring the marketplace to solve the problem in the cheapest way for our residents. And we got outstanding re- response from our residents uh, in that survey, and they were all mostly for, for the service. I would like to mention, too, that we are we're a little different than Pleasant Grove because we were, we were next-door neighbors to Hill Air Force Base. And the aerospace industry is really, really an important part of North Davis County. And we are the bedroom community for Hill Air Force Base for those that aren't on that aren't uh, airmen. Uh, so we, what we hope to attract is that aerospace industry that was going to require broadband uh, just for them. COVID has taught us that working from home is a possibility. Even this conference call that we've got going on wouldn't have been thought of before COVID. You know, I I want to t- tip my hat to to Brody first for doing this the survey and his his awareness of what was going on in the community. We have a great city manager, as I'm sure you are, Scott. He, he's definitely a great city manager. <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say we could have like some sort of city manager off. Um, um, I, I no, know. He's, he's, I would defer to him. He's the godfather. Uh, well, of city managers here. Brody, let me come to you and then I'm going to ask the same question to Scott. But so you, you do a survey. Do you have a sense? All right. Like there's, you know, in some ways it's like now you're committed. Um, like you've, you've identified and proven that there's a problem. You have to do something about it. Uh, what are your next steps then to figure out what is an appropriate step forward? 
right? So our survey, and we did, we used a third party to do the survey and uh, to make sure it would, you know, it was scientifically valid and statistically valid and that sort of thing. And that way we can actually rely on it and, and, and it's justifiable. Um, but once we got the the survey results and this, it was overwhelming that yes, they want more options. Uh, they were willing to support the city in this type of arrangement that we have utopia. And uh, I think that gave our council um, the go ahead because um, there was some discussion amongst the council and some disagreement amongst the council of whether to do an arrangement like this or not. Some of the politics with it was you know, do you do a full city utility where the city is the provider uh, or do you do an outside provider? And so there were, there were discussions about that. You know, politically, I think our council is more along the lines of a laissez-faire. They don't, you know, they want to have a minimal involvement of government uh, in, in these services. But we do want to make sure we have it to, for everybody in the community. And so the utopian model just fit the bill. Um, so that it's, you know, it's completely separate from the city uh, as far as the actual provision of the service, but we're ensuring that everybody has access to it. Was that a similar conversation following your survey, Scott? Yeah, very similar. Uh, What it boiled down to was, are we going to build our own network as a city and own it? Or are we going to partner with Utopia, have, you know, have them build the network, they're going to own it, and then we're just going to in essence, guarantee that uh, they're going to have enough subscribers to make the payments on it. So this is a, and it's an interesting debate. I've talked to many city managers. Some cities have chosen to build their own network. Others have chosen to go with a, a company similar to Utopia. And um, we, we did a, a request for proposal. We talked to different groups. Uh, we headed down this road of uh, what we wanted to do. And when we presented it to our city council, the majority of them uh, said, we think that Utopia would probably be a better option for us because uh, there's upsides to owning your own network. There's also downsides and there's upsides with going with Utopia and downsides. And so I, I still have this big PowerPoint with all the upsides and downsides, the best that we could identify. Uh, but ultimately, our city said, let's partner with Utopia um, and head that direction. I always appreciate when I'm talking with anyone who's takes responsibility for other people and recognizes there's always upsides and downsides and you got to figure out where to um, make those hard decisions. Um, it's not all upside. Now, Utopia itself is publicly owned. It's, uh, you know, it's an agency that under under state law, I think, is effectively a municipality itself. It's it's a, was created by other municipalities. Um, uh, do you have that same relationship as the founding cities or is that um, a different relationship that you have with them? It's, it's actually uh, uh, a little bit different. So um, you might say that the founding cities are the quote unquote owners of Utopia, um, where they have the, the final financial obligation for, for what Utopia does. Um, uh, cities like Syracuse and Pleasant Grove, we're essentially by contract. So um, what that means is we don't, we don't benefit from any success that Utopia has, but we also we don't experience the failures if, if Utopia has failures. We're not a voting member or anything like that. Uh, the original Utopia cities are. Uh, the original Utopia cities, they went through all the, the pain of getting that all set up. And it was a rocky road, if you're familiar with the history of Utopia. Yes. Um, you know, it took them a bit to get to where they are today. But now it's a very attractive option 
Uh, but no, we're not full-fledged member. We're in essence, yeah, contracting out with them to provide the service. And so the the question that I like to wrap up with is along the lines of what are we looking forward to? So, um, you know, you've you've done this. Um, I'm sure that uh, there's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of work to get to this point. But um, how will you know in five or 10 years that, that this has uh, been a success, that it was really worth uh, um, all of this effort? I'm a Pleasant Grove resident. I'm excited to have Utopia in my house. And that is, uh, that's going to be a good day when I can hook up to uh, whatever internet service provider I choose and have broadband to my home. So I, I can speak to that personally. The success, I think, will be uh, in the take rate. Uh, we have to have a certain amount of take rate in our community in order for um, the service to pay for the bonds that have been issued. Uh, we don't have any doubts we're going to hit that take rate. Um, we, we're we're going we're gonna to be over the number we need to be. Uh, I think the success will be in that our, our, I can see our residents after this service is provided coming back to our elected officials and saying, thank you for making this happen uh, because here are some things that are better with my life. So whether I can stream movies better, I can work from home, uh, we can you know, do certain things. And quite honestly, in 10 years, the use of broadband, there's things that we don't even know today that is going to be used for. And we'll, the fact that we have it will be a huge success in and of itself. You know, before we, we go to, to Syracuse to answer that question, I'll just note one of the, the fun answers I've got from this was, uh, was a couple um, who said that they're just going to be excited when their children, um, and this was the case that they had experienced, they had received service from a, from a network. Um, their children did not have to wake them up on Saturday mornings to reset the modem when it failed. Um, so um, there's all kinds of things people come up with for a while that their lives are better um, as a result of getting a high quality service uh, built out. Uh, Mayor Gailey, uh, how will you know that, that this has been successful? Uh, aside from you, uh, aside from you returning to office. <laughs> uh, well, that remains to be seen. Uh, but as I said before, I'm concerned about our residents. But first of all, I'm concerned about jobs. And being in, right next to Hill Air Force Base, as I mentioned, we're looking for aerospace jobs. And we cannot attract them without broadband. We've got to have that there. And so our residents, I think, will come to the elected officials and thank them that taxes haven't gone up and that we've got a better tax base that takes the taxes away from the residents themselves and places it mostly on the back of those that aerospace industry and, those, and the jobs that people have, they will then have money to spend in Syracuse. Mine is predominantly economic development based. Uh, I don't think we can do it without broadband. We can't improve our economic development plan without broadband. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd, I'd say as people in Syracuse and actually as Americans, we're, we're, we're really good at being consumers and consumers love choice. And uh, that's one of the things that we've heard from people that uh, they hate having to subscribe to one, one company that can actually provide the service that they need. And so when, they, when Utopia comes online and our residents have 10 internet service providers to choose from, um, I think our our elected officials are going to be going to you know they're going to receive some some praise for that for giving that that choice that competition um, and, uh, and I think that's kind of the the biggest success for them. Excellent. And I wanted to to know when Scott said that he feels very confident about hitting that take rate that's required. I believe 
multiple cities now have uh, hit those uh, required numbers well inside of the the forecast time. Uh, so there's certainly good evidence that there is so much demand out there for this high quality service that um, there is quite little risk of not achieving those milestones. There's more risk that I won't be reelected. <laughs> well, you know, um, one of the things that I've found is that um, elected officials, um, as they often say about presidents, mayors, everything else, is, a, is you often will uh, get credit for things you might not deserve, and you, you have to take credit for a whole bunch of things you weren't responsible for. <laughs> so it's part of the game, I guess. Uh, really like to thank you all for your time. Thank you, Mayor Gailey. Uh, thank you, um, uh, City Manager of Syracuse uh, Brody and uh, City Manager of Pleasant Grove Scott. Um, very much appreciate your time today. Thanks thank for you. Us. Yeah, thank you. Please. We have transcripts for this and other podcasts available at muninetworks.org slash broadbandbits. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org with your ideas for the show. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at communitynets. Follow muninetworks.org stories on Twitter. The handle's at Muni Networks. Subscribe to this and other podcasts from ILSR, including Building Local Power, Local Energy Rules, and the Composting for Community podcast. You can access them anywhere you get your podcasts. You can catch the latest important research from all of our initiatives if you subscribe to our monthly newsletter at ILSR.org. While you're there, please take a moment to donate. Your support in any amount keeps us going. Thank you to Arnie Hughesby, for the song Warm Duck Shuffle, licensed through Creative Commons. This was the Community Broadband Bits Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.